Hey guys, this is John Karabi from The Scream, Motley Crue, Union, ABBA, Justin Bieber, whatever. And you're listening to Maximum Threshold, baby. Turn it up. Come on! Defense procedures initiated. What we've got here is Maximum Voltage, Maximum Power, Maximum Carnage. This is Maximum Threshold. Call the show at 440-709-4977. Maximum Threshold. And here's your hosts, Dom. And he's actually quite smart. He just makes errors of judgment along the way.
Yo, what's going on out there, everybody? Hey, thanks for tuning in to this week's edition of the Maximum Threshold Radio Show. Coming at you live tonight. <clears throat> we're over here in, in BFE, Nebraska. And we're here with Curtis, man. Hey, he's sitting over in the other room over there having a few drinks. So, um, yeah. So I'm going to get a couple things going on here. We have a few interviews lined up for you. Um, and uh, we got Brandon from Bumpin' Uglies calling in at 8.15. And we got Robert Barry calling in as well later on in about another hour or so. So stay tuned. We got a cool show. I'm going to play some music here for you. Then we're going to get Brandon on the phone here. So don't go nowhere. Maximum Threshold, you're on the air. Hey, this is Brandon from uh, Bumpin' Ugly. Hey, what's going on, Brandon? <clears throat> Nothing much. How are you doing? Oh, hanging in there. Just, just playing some, some new metal that I just got. So I'm trying to dig, yeah. in, dig into it. Got the new Metal Legion, so I was checking that out. Damn, that's some, that's some <coughs> killer stuff. <clears throat> nice, man. So what's going on with you, man? I got the weekend off, and I'm just hanging out at homes and playing some video games and um, watching Netflix. Nice. What you watching on there? Right now, we actually just started watching Ozark. Oh, I've been That's wanting to watch one. that. I've been wanting to watch that. Is it the second season out or something? I don't know, man. I'm watching the first episode of the first season, oh. but it's pretty captivating. Yeah, I got to watch it because I've heard so much good stuff about that. Supposed to be like the... Um, cartel and stuff like that yeah i don't know it's just kind of weird right now but it's interesting. <laughs> what do you when you're when you're out on the road here what do you use to watch movies with uh my phone usually or my yeah. my, my macbook mm-hmm. you have a certain program that you use or anything like that your go-to um, i mean it depends on if i'm torrenting or something mm-hmm. but like if, if i'm just usually i just watch stuff on netflix yeah you watch any like um, other um, season shows? Uh, I really like BoJack Horseman, and I just finished watching that new season. Um, I like Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. but that kind of is taking forever. Oh, I know. Season. Um, I used to watch Walking Dead, but it's just terrible, and I finally stopped watching yeah. it, which I feel good about. And it's pretty much it. You you ever watch Shameless? No, I heard that's good though. Oh my god, that's insane! You gotta check that. If you like um dysfunctional families, man, you gotta watch this. You get hooked in it quick. <laughs> yeah, it is. I'll it's, check that out. It's really nuts. Even the first episode from the first episode on, it's 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 hard. It's hard to even think like a, if a family could actually do these kind of things that they do. And I don't want to give anything away with it because if you do check it out, I think you really dig it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll check it out for sure. So, so you're getting on, getting ready to get on the road there. Um, what are some of the places you're going to be hitting up? Uh, you're breaking up there. I didn't hear you. Hello. Yeah, you there? Yeah, you're breaking up. I didn't hear the question. Oh, I was I was asking what are some of the cities that you're going to be hitting. Well, next week we hit Buffalo, Cleveland. Um, Grand Rapids, Chicago, um, Omaha, St. Louis, Kansas City, 
Indianapolis and um, and uh, Beaver Creek, Ohio. Damn, where the hell's Beaver Creek at? It's a, uh, it's kind of like right in between Cincinnati. It's it's near Dayton. Oh, okay, gotcha. Like, so it's kind of, but it's in between like Cincinnati and Columbus. I gotcha. Never I never went and checked on any shows down there. How is how's the response down there? Well, Cincinnati's great for yeah. us, and so is so is Columbus. We we've never been in Beaver Creek, but mm-hmm. um, I got some friends that live in the area that are super excited about the show. Nice. It guaranteed me that they're gonna sell the show out. So I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> what is what is you know you did a bunch of bunch of tours over the years. What were some that really stood out for you? Uh, we just did a summer tour with Valley um, View and Tropidelic. Mm-hmm. We've done a lot of sold out shows. Um, great, great turnout. A great response from the audience. Um, <sighs> You know they're all they're they're all different and they're all unique in their own regards. You know, really, I, I guess it's, it's for me, I just get focused on the most recent one. Yeah. You know? Yeah. On some of the some of those on um, the bills that you're on, <laughs> what is what are some of the most? Um, Say again. Some of the shows that you're um, like shows that you you've been on. What are the ones that you, you really stood out on? Uh, you're breaking up again. I didn't hear the question. Oh, I was asking. And some of the shows that you've played, some of the big ones, uh, what were some of the ones that, you know, your music, since you have your, your certain genre of music, that, did, they, did they push you into playing like with a whole, totally different genre? Hey, I'm sorry. I, I can't. I, you're breaking up and I can't, I can't hear you. Okay, let me, call, let me call you back on my cell. Okay. Okay, give me a minute. Wait. Hey. Is this better? Yeah, it does sound better. Oh man, this this in, internet we got Spectrum and Spectrum is horrible, and it just right. make it just makes um working these the phone systems over here are nearly impossible. Sometimes it'll work good, but good ninety percent of the time it sucks. Yeah, that's rough. <laughs> so I was saying before we before we um lost you a second ago, um some of the shows that you've played, you know, with your certain genre of music, how was it? Did they ever put you on a bill playing like with metal bands or anything, any pop bands or anything like that? Um, not really. I mean, one of the funniest things we ever did was we were in Vegas a few years ago, and we they had us open up for Rod Rob Van Dam, like the wrestler. <laughs> yeah. um, but it was just it was this stand up comedy routine. Oh, dang! And it was just yeah, it was just like it was like the most Spinal Tap moment of my life. It was, it was pretty funny. <laughs> Well, what stood out is is that. Again? What stood out is that because I can't see Rob Van, um, Rob, um, RVD doing something funny. Oh, it was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it was not funny at all. It was like there, there was a pretty solid crowd yeah. of his celebrity, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he's not very funny at all. <laughs> uh, I can see your music going over. Like, um, do you watch wrestling? Oh no, not really. But my my both of my crew guys do, and they're mm-hmm. always talking about it. And, you know, I, I watched it when I was younger. Yeah, there's um a, a wrestling thing. It's called um Lucha Underground, and what they do is they have a band that actually plays on the side. Um, when they first start, their, when the show starts, and I think your music would fit in pretty good. With that they usually have it. It has that um 
that Scott kind of sound to it and the reggae kind of thing. But usually it's like um, they have like Mexicans playing up there or, or luchadors are dressed up as wrestlers. But I think your music go over good or it's something like that, especially with wrestling. Why not? Yeah, man. I mean, I'm looking for whatever reason I can to hit someone with a steel chair. So. <laughs> you ever thought about getting in um, some sort of um, wrestling or something like that? So we're putting on a festival next year. Yeah. And because our our crew guys are so into wrestling, and they're, they're identical twins too, so like one of the things that we want to do is have a, a wrestling match, like a tag team match between them and then like two other people and just have it be like ridiculous. <laughs> Will that that be on a show? Yeah, it's going to be at our festival that we do. Oh, where's that? Where's the festival going to be? Uh, it's looking. We're still locking down the location, but it's looking like Western Pennsylvania. Oh, nice. Why would you? Why would yeah. you pick PA? Since you guys are out from Baltimore. Well, we we do really well in Ohio, yeah. um, and the location is. It's halfway between kind of Ohio and Maryland. It's also just like we looked at a bunch of different grounds kind of in the region and it was the best, uh, had the best infrastructure. So like there's a stage already in place so we wouldn't need to rent a stage which is a huge expense and Mm -hmm. there's power so we wouldn't need generators which is another huge expense and it's just a really cool location um, and it just, yeah, it, it checked off a bunch of boxes on our list. So that's the one, it's our first choice. Will you be picking up sponsors for this? We definitely want them, yeah. We're, mm-hmm. we, we're, you know, we're waiting until we, we wait until we have a contract, you know, until right, we it. have this place locked in and then we're going to start trying to um, solidify sponsors. Yeah, let me know about that because I maybe will try to um, get some, some connections that we have out there in that area over there. Maybe we can help out. Yeah, that would, that would be rad, man. That would be really cool. Let's see here. I got a question. This is coming from um, Curtis. He wants to know, you guys don't have any Utah dates. We have some Utah listeners tuning in right now. Oh, man. We're going we're gonna to be in Utah in, uh, in April. It's hard, man. It's hard to making it out there. <laughs> oh, I understand, <laughs> like, I understand that. It's hey. like, shit, it's like 24-hour 20, drive or something from where we are. Let's see. I got got a question here. He's asking. Um, do, 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 do. Ask if ask if this guy watches back episodes of Golden Girls and rubs one out to Blanche. <laughs> yeah, one more time. He said, "Ask this guy if he watches back episodes of Golden Girls and rub rubs one out to Blanche." I mean, who doesn't? <laughs> Let's see. Yeah, that, that's one of the old ones, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no. Blanche. Well, there. Well, she. This one's dead. Blanche. Well, I think they're all dead, aren't they? Yeah, like no, well, Betty. Like, Betty White. Well, the show about like the two old ladies, <laughs> right? That like lived together. Well, they had three of them. They had um Betty White. And she's she's still kicking it. Betty White's a fox. Yes, yeah, she is. Yeah, she's gonna she's gonna live a couple more years and. Hopefully they. Betty they, White can outlive all of us, man. I she's doing she's doing it so far. Yeah. <laughs> I I didn't think she'd outlive Dio, but she did. <laughs> <laughs> so what else you want to talk touch on? Um, I don't know, man. Um, we're, we're stoked to make it back to you. Got the base out of Ohio, right? Yeah, right outside of Cleveland. 
We're playing at uh, Beachland Tavern next next Friday. Yeah. Um, it's just like I mean, Ohio, like Cleveland specifically, has been one of our our best markets. You know, it's, it's kind of become a second home to us because of uh, just our, our relationship with Tropidelic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's always those are just crazy there, man. It's always always a pleasure to, to make it back to the city. Yeah, my my daughter's really into your music, and she's like, I, I gotta see them, I gotta check them out. And she she runs um another website and does does her own thing, sort of like I do. But and she was like, I she goes, I gotta talk to Brandon. I said, Well, you know, he's gonna be on the show this weekend, and she had to work. She wanted to come here and talk to you too. But I guess she's gonna hook up with you over at the, at the Beachland next week. Cool, man. Yeah, the beach is a pretty cool venue, man. I played there a bunch of times, and they have real nice sound. And if you're playing, you're playing in the tavern. It's right next to the bar, so you don't got to go far for a drink. No, so we actually like the first time we ever headlined in in Cleveland. Yeah, we didn't really realize where we were at and like how much people dug us there. So we played Beachland, and we played the tavern room, like the small yeah. room, and it sold out on a Sunday. And wow. it was like our first time headlining there. It was like, it blew us away. So like, and it was, dude, it was just, it was crazy, man. <laughs> like, you, like, you played that room. It was like, everyone was like just jumping up and down. I thought yep. the floor was going to collapse. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we, we do the big room now. And I think, um, you know, tickets are looking real good for it. So I'm hoping, you know, it'd be, it would be super cool to sell it out. Oh, yeah. It's a big room, so I don't know. Yeah, we're pushing it big time on our part over here on our side. Doing what we could do to help. I appreciate it, man. Have you when you were, when you were there at the Beachland? Did you go down go downstairs? Yeah, the, the green room. That's, yeah, that's like where I was hanging out when I thought the floor was going to collapse because <laughs> the, the green room is like underneath the tavern room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they have yeah like a record store and sell clothes and everything down there too. Yeah, it's a cool spot. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's in a it's in a pretty wild little um, ghetto neighborhood, but if it's still kicking it over there. Yeah, man, people show up, you know, which is really all you need. Yep. <laughs> uh, oh, I know. Another thing I want to talk about is your little episodes that you do on, on YouTube. What's your inspiration for you to do those? <laughs> I mean, it's just like, really, like, my inspiration was just, like, throwing a bunch of shit at the wall and seeing what sticks, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, like, I, it was just kind of something I was trying to do, like, when I was experimenting with different marketing ideas, like... Because it's like nowadays, like you, you just have to constantly be putting out content, um, and it's hard, you know, measuring the, the worth of it because a lot of it just doesn't. People aren't into it. Yeah. But that was one of those things. Like I started putting it out, and I immediately saw people responded to it and they enjoyed it. So in turn, that like gives me a good medium for marketing and like like kind of promoting what we have going on, which is really what it's all about. You know? mm-hmm. How many episodes have you done on there? So are you talking about the, the YouTube series? Or yeah. Like little Tuesday things that I do. Oh, the YouTube stuff. Uh, so the YouTube thing, I, I kind of fell off of that. Mm-hmm. Like, I kind of replaced that with doing like a weekly live stream. Oh, okay. Um, the YouTube thing I've, I've done, I think like the last I checked, I had like 55 episodes of it or something like that. I got up to like, I think it was 49 and I was I was watching it because I was like oh, I want to check out the evolution, you know of how you're how you're coming along with your songs and how you're playing all that. And I'm like, damn! And the more you listen to you, the more 
you really pull, you, you know, you pull the listener in there and, you know, you're getting really damn good, man. Thanks, man. I try not to suck, so. Yeah. <laughs> well, even, it's getting worse, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, definitely. It sounds good, man. You're doing a good job there. I mean, it's cool because it's like, it's super lo-fi, you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. I'm setting up my, my phone and just recording it, so there's no mixing, there's no editing. It's, it's super raw and super lo-fi, so, I mean, it's kind of cool for, for that. Like, for me, I, I like to enjoy that kind of music. Like, I don't really like overproduced. I mean, I like overproduced stuff, but, like, when I'm listening to, like, songwriters, I like really raw, kind of stripped-down stuff, you know? Oh, yeah, definitely. And I feel like there's definitely a whole lot of people that, that are into that vibe, so if you're kind of into that vibe, it doesn't really get much more raw and stripped-down than just an iPhone recording. Mm-hmm. Now, you said you're doing you're doing weekly episodes or a weekly show thing? So, yeah, that was, like, another, that's another installment of just, throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks but it kind of evolved from doing those YouTube series like so I've been doing the YouTube thing for like five years and then in the last like two or three years live streaming became like way more um just, just I, I, like commonplace in everyday culture like I think Facebook Live really only started being a thing in the last two or three years and it's just blown up with how um effective it is with with talking to your fan base so like that was just something I experimented with doing, and once again, like, I saw an immediate response. Like, it, it kind of blew away the YouTube thing. Like, it yeah. was just, I was immediately talking to, like, all these people. Like, there was all this visibility for when I would do the live streams. So, I kind of replaced doing the YouTube um, video with doing, like, a live stream once a week where I do, like, three to five songs. Oh, nice. And while I play the songs, I talk about, you know, whatever our tour dates we have going on. Um, if we, you know, like, if we have, like, music coming out it's pretty much anything I have to promote I use it as a, as a medium for promoting to people it's like essentially it's like you get a concert but you also get a commercial yep I hear you. that's sort of like the same thing we do here you know we promote our show and uh, like I'm also in a band so I also play our music on here and we just just keep the ball going yeah man it's just, for me it's cool because mm-hmm. like I, we're like very grassroots and DIY, you know, like, we're not trying to do the, like, the big band thing. Like, we're not trying to, like, like have some sort of crazy, create some sort of crazy perception where we're yeah. bigger than we are. Like, we're just going out and working and playing music and writing music and just trying to do what we do. So it's, like, very raw and honest. So it's, it's kind of hard to get any kind of, like, I guess, like, backing from the industry or, like, any real, like, like help with that because, you know, people kind of want to create a product out of you. Oh, yeah. Uh, and um, we just don't do that. So, like, consequently, we don't get a lot of that help with, like, marketing or, you know, put, putting our putting our thing out there. So we have to get creative with how we, cre- how we, we spread the word about us, you know, and stuff like that is just, it's insane because it's totally totally organic and in-house but people love it and it, it's it's really it's really done wonders for, for spreading our band and getting getting new people to find out about us how many subscribers do you have on there um i, I think we have like so like we have like forty-seven thousand on facebook forty-seven thousand likes ish mm-hmm. got it uh let's see here just a couple more things we'll let you get going um 
how can pe- how can people get a hold of your music and you know follow you on there and just get get, get to know more about the band and yourself? I mean, we're on um, we're on everything, man. We're on we're on Spotify, I, I, Apple Music, Title, Christian Mingle, look, wherever you, you spend your time on the internet, you can find us. Are you guys on um, Grinder yeah. and, and stuff like that? Oh yeah, our Grinder page is definitely <laughs> like it, it, it's it's been huge for, for the momentum. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, and, you know, we're on Facebook and Twitter and all that shit. And, and I got, we all got personal profiles and yeah. stuff. It's pretty easy to get a hold of if you just put a little thought into it. Nice. Let's see. What are your? What's the websites where we can send people to and they can um, get your music and also to buy merch? Bumpinuglysmusic.com. That's good. That's to the to the point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Brandon, can you do us a quick favor? Sure. Can you do a promo ID for a radio show? Just say your name, the band you're with, you're listening to Maximum Threshold, and throw something crazy out at the end of it and don't put no thought into it. Yeah. Hey, uh, this, this is Brandon from Bumpin' Uglies, and you're listening to Maximum Threshold. And yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was perfect. Hey, Brandon, man, I thank you very much for, man, for taking some time out here. And just talking with us, just shooting the shit, and definitely pushing the Beachland show next week here in Cleveland. Right on, man. We appreciate that. And um, definitely, you know, we'll hook up next week, or my daughter will be out there um, to talk with you. And hey, man, we'll just we'll keep keep the machine going. All right, brother. Yeah, we'll talk soon. Okay, sounds good, man. Got me getting drunk quicker No mixer trying to fuck up my liver I drink a handle, put some dumb shit on Twitter Can't stop, got ain't no quitter Listen up, I'll paint you a picture Alcoholics talk about clarity And it's clear to me that it's plain to see Every drink I take is a drink I make them down surround a reality Honestly, it's hard to be another motherfucker Trying to chase a dream So I chase my dream with some Jimmy Bean Till I babble in like a pause fiend This liquor has got me running my mouth All of my opinions are coming out Meaning how I'm dealing with my feelings Drinking up liquor till I'm reeling Laying in bed with a spinning ceiling Praying to the God of porcelain kneeling Pull out the bottle please Pour out a shot of three Give me the bottle Keep the shots and be my company We're getting drunk tonight It ain't gonna make shit right But it can't get worse And I'm done my first So fucking man Let's get tight Hard liquor got me getting drunk quicker No mixer trying to fuck up my liver I drink a handle Put some dumb shit on Twitter Can't stop cause I ain't no quitter I'll paint you a picture Coronas and you line them up We put them down and put it all on hot see, I heard he's buying rounds Make it a double cause tonight I'm causing trouble Catch me by the bar connecting pieces of the puzzle Loogie Lee and STV bumping ugly spots how we Sometime around three this bar is begging us to leave So tomorrow I repent from a lack of common sense But in my defense I was drinking moments, yeah I crack a bottle, get drunk and I hit McDonald's my head a wobble from shots and sipping Cabo A vintage wine with legs like runway models Full throttle, no sorrows, my models quit tomorrow 
I could drink with the best, and I'm not bragging. With pants sagging, no laughing, just van damming. This booze covers all the baggage I'm dragging. Took me 12 steps to get in, then I torched that fucking wagon. It's brandy. Hard liquor got me getting drunk quicker. No mixer trying to fuck up my liver. I drink a handle, put some dumb shit on Twitter. Can't stop it, I ain't no quitter. Listen up, I'll paint you a picture. See, all the ladies are dated to demonstrate it. They hate it when I get frustrated and faded. Thinking about how I ain't made it. I found a whiskey that loves me, tolerates it. Come on, my followers and my soul should see me hollering, fuck it. I'm a man with the passion for theatrics and drama. I tweet at four in the morning, ain't got no time for the commas. These millennials love that heavy shit. Guess it's my compelling wit. Bring them to the fellowship and question another day. Drinking Espelon at the liquor bomb. Chugging margaritas from dust to dawn. Mr. Rama, this sucky bombs. Feels like I'm living in a drinking song. Find me in the club with a gallon of flash. Drunk off my ass, funk death and crash. Next morning, catch me and Matt. Pulling cake stands off of the community castle. I get my minutes that is void of all repentance. Drinking anything fermented while I'm slurring on my sentences. Defending this is type of an extensive list. Entitled fucks, I don't give a fuck how you live. I'ma keep going to your boys demented. Hard liquor got me getting drunk quicker. No mixer trying to fuck up my liver. I drink a handle, put some dumb shit on Twitter. Can't stop, cause I ain't no quitter. Listen up, I'll paint you a picture. Hard liquor got me getting drunk quicker. No mixer trying to fuck up my liver. I drink a handle, put some dumb shit on Twitter. Can't stop, cause I ain't no quitter. Listen up, I'll paint you a picture. the live show go to stitcherradio.com and search maximum threshold and listen in today that's maximum threshold and stitcher radio a match made in heaven you want to listen to maximum threshold radio on your phone you can do so the app is out there baby tune in radio go to your little market there and Download TuneIn Radio. Just type it in the search, TuneIn Radio. Once you download that app, click it, activate it, blah, 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 search Maximum Threshold. That's, once again, that's TuneIn Radio. You can also catch the podcast on there also. Yeah, real nice. Check it out. TuneIn Radio for Maximum Threshold Radio live. Call into the show. West Coast callers call 213-973-7237. Once again, 213-973-7237. East Coast callers 440-709-4977. Once again, 440-709-4977. You can now hear the Maximum Threshold Radio Show on Stitcher Radio. Uh, Stitcher allows you... To listen to your favorite shows directly from your iPhone, Android phone, Blackberry, and Palm Free. On demand and on the go. Don't have Stitcher? Download it for free today at Stitcher.com. Once again, you can hear Maximum Threshold Radio Show on Stitcher.com. Impact your spine! 
Oh, well. Who wants to live forever? Check one, two, three. Ah, there you go. There's some Judas Priest for you here on Maxim Threshold Radio with Never the Heroes. If you're tuning to us, tuning in live, you get to hear this cool stuff that we're playing. But if you listen to us on a podcast, uh, you kind of like we edit out some of the stuff, so you can't hear some of the live um, tunes that we play. <coughs> That's just because of contractual bullshit, you know. But other than that, though, you know, we'll rock it out with you guys. We'll play almost anything on here, and I mean it. I got, I still, I got a board full of cool stuff I want to play, and we're gonna get to them eventually. We got Robert calling in here in a little bit, so uh, it's gonna be fun, man. Thanks for tuning in, sticking around. So we play some of three point two that he's on. So you know we're going to be talking about this. Here's our bond. Enjoy this, man. This is, this is some classic stuff here, man. Don't go nowhere. It's here The words become too much to bear The burdens are Maximum threshold, you're on there Oh, hold on one second Let me get you, let me get you on here um, Are you there? Hello? Hi, this is Don Yeah, how you doing? Hey, I'm pretty good. It, it, it sounds a little muffled here, but I can still hear you. Got you. Okay, how's this? Is this a little better? All right. I'm... How's that? All right, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. That's better. <laughs> That's much better. Thank you. Oh, I had, to, I had to put a microphone next to my phone because we, we got real crappy internet service going on right now, and I, my, I can't use my, my phone line on my computer because it keeps breaking up and... It's pretty bad, so I had to resort to Plan B. Go to the yeah, phone. You're, you're cutting out. You're cutting out quite a bit too. So I'm hoping that we can make that go away. But we'll see what happens, bro. You want you want me to call you right back on my on my regular line? Why don't you do that? Give okay. me a call back. I I feel like I'm pretty solid on this end, and it's probably your end is breaking up. You got my number there, right? Yeah, I got it. All right, call me back. Okay, sounds good, man. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Listen to that beautiful sound. All right, let's try this one. How's it sound? Oh, you sound good over here. How do I sound? Yeah, you're good. You're good for me, too. Great. Nice. That's good. So what's going on, man? Yeah, I'm just I'm promoting this new album, and yeah. I've been so fortunate that people like you want to talk to me that... I'm, I'm just like in a good mood all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been digging this through the 3.2, man. Wow, it's like it's it's you, you could you could definitely could feel the dated times where you're going back into it. 
And but it's yeah. it's like it's real cla- it's classy. And it's something that the music's missing, you know what I'm saying? Well yeah, it's interesting you say that because one of the big things that Keith and I wanted to do was keep one foot in the past. Yeah. You know, we had a top ten song in nineteen eighty eight with our band three that we call Palmer. And we wanted to put another foot kinda in the present, but you know, not with the sort of the some of the heavy metal progressive stuff that's going on. Yeah. We just wanted to make it something musical. And uh, so for you to say that, uh, that's, that's, we hit the mark, I think. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, I'm a musician as well. And, and I get to, I listen to the music, not just, you know, like a regular listener listen to a song. You're like, oh, yeah, that's good or not that. And I like to listen to it and analyze it and, and just picture what's going on, like during the writing process, uh, recording it and, you know, just probably thinking of what the expression of everybody's face is when you're piecing us all together. What do you play? I play guitar. Cool, man. What, what kind of guitar you got? I got Les Pauls, and I got a V, sure. and I got a nice. Jack, Jackson. You, you know, when you start buying one guitar, they're like tattoos. So I was up to like 36 nice. guitars, and I just had to downgrade some. I won't tell you how many I collect guitars. The one time that I have, you're gonna think I'm bragging. No, that's all right. I've I've heard I've heard a lot. You know, I've I've talked to some people who had like hundreds of guitars, and you know, and I I know it's it's one of those things, man. You you get one, every single one's different from another one. You know, they may look alike. Yeah, you are, man. You're my best friend already. You know what I'm talking about. So you know, it's funny. My dad had a music store when I was little. I mean, oh man, in the '60s. Yeah. I was just this little guy, and he brought Vox amplifiers like the Beatles used yeah. into his store, and they were like five feet tall, and what was I? Two and a half, three feet tall, yeah. whatever. And it left such an impression on me. They were beautiful. You know, they got these chrome stands, and the, everybody's talking about the Beatles, and all the, the well-known groups from our town here would come in to play through the Vox amps. It, it just gave me the bug for the whole thing. People yeah. were trading in. 57 strats. Oh, I have a 56 Les Paul. Mm-hmm. My dad saved for me. He, he said, you know, I'm just a little guy. And he goes, I just took some trade for $250 yeah. on a Vox Phantom. Wow. A Vox Phantom with Paul Ritter Raiders some band was using. Right? <laughs> and he, he says, the 56 Les Paul, he goes, Eric Clapton plays one of these. You should have this. <laughs> I said, Dad, I can't, I can't afford $250. Well, you can mow lawns. He goes, I can't afford that. No. He actually saved it for me for 10 years. Doesn't you know, like high school age mm-hmm. and had a little job and I was doing things and playing in a band yeah. and he still had it. it my dad always, um, he was the kind of guy that, like as far as $250, which was cheap even back then, <laughs> yeah, so ball, he'd always have a job where I could make 200 of it, but the other 50 I had to figure out for myself, yeah. you know? And it was part of him training me to a horse trader and that's why I have, I, I, I'm going to brag, I have 130 guitars. Mm-hmm. But I do sound-alikes. I used to do a bunch of them, too. Yeah. From Miramax films and Paramount films and stuff where, like you said, every guitar is different. Yep. If I wind up doing an Eddie Van Halen, Van Halen sort of sound-alike for a, a movie trailer or something, mm-hmm. I have to have that Eddie Van Halen guitar. Mm-hmm. You know, it sounds a certain way. Or doing B.B. King kind of thing, have to have like a Lucille 335 Gibson something that sounds like that. Yep. So they've started to become tools of my trade. And of course... As you know, with the 3-2, three, 3-2 two, three, two album mm-hmm. with Keith Emerson, it's really a keyboard-based album. Yeah. So the trick to that, to get the guitar in it, is to make the guitar 
where it makes a big difference in the power of the song and the tonality of the song. Maybe it doesn't stand out as much as the guitar or any of that album. But uh, there's a trick to that, too. You know, make it sound right with the keyboard stuff. So. Yeah, your, it sounds, sounds like guitar is like a um, piece behind the keyboard, so it's trying to make the keyboards more stand out. Oh, yeah, and it has the grittiness to it. You know, some mm -hmm. distortion there in the key on the guitar and the strumming of it. Um, and, of course, on this album, I have a completely acoustic guitar-driven piece and some guitar solos on there, too. So yeah, I managed to work it in. One of my favorite bands, I mean, I'm a big Yes fan. I love the band Asia. And they knew how to make the perfect combination of keyboards and guitar. Yep. And uh, that's sort of a favorite of mine. So I've always managed to put the guitar in the music. Yeah, you you need the guitars in there, especially if you're gonna if you're gonna take it to being like is is the rock kind of um, backbone of your music. You know, you, guitar always is that that piece of it. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. It's not gonna go away. That's for sure. Mm. <laughs> so what is what is um like your holy grail that you have? As far as guitars, yeah. You know, I have a a, a PRS, a Paul Reed Smith. Mm -hmm. It actually has uh, silk bars in it, which is a perfect Gibson pickup yeah. from the old Les Paul days, but they're single coil, not the humbucker dual coil. It, I like the sound of the single coil. It's more focused, a little more of a point to it without being brash. Mm -hmm. And I, I go to that. Uh, Paul Reed Smith a lot has a three. It's a, it's a tiger flamed guitar. It's beautiful, all natural wood. I go to that a lot for the powerful rhythms, but I also have a... Oh, it's a, uh, it's a custom shop Fender Strap. It's like a 57 kind of remake relic. But it has these pickups in it called Lace Sensors. Yeah. And I think Eric Clark was the first one to put this out on a, a, a Stratocaster. Mm -hmm. And that's my other go-to guitar. Those two, um, I'm using all the time. Yeah, I used to have one of those, those Lace Sensors on my old Strat. Had, um, I forgot what kind it was. Um, but those were nice. I mean, they they definitely canceled out a lot of sound, and I mean, you were able to make those get those sounds that you want without fear of anything. All the noise, yeah. yeah. Pickups would pick up a lot of noise, definitely. Now, does yours have um, the black lettering or the uh, the red lettering on it, or gold? On the pickups, yeah. On, on the, um, gee, you know, I I, I want to say they're gold, but yeah. I, I actually don't know. <laughs> I've never been asked that. A question I've been asked. Man, you are on it. You're, you're becoming even a bigger friend than I thought. Um, I wish it, you know, usually I would call and talk to you from the studio, yeah. or I do all the recordings at the state of our studio, but um, today, since it's a Saturday, mm -hmm. and I'm actually going to a show a friend of mine is putting on tonight, um, I am calling you from the house. Nice. So I can't take a look at it. I can look on the <laughs> website probably. I mean, all the guitars are on the website. All right. I'll do that while we're talking and see if I can have any luck. Don't <laughs> look at the guitar page and the website. I'm so busy with the, with the promotion, the interviews for the album, yeah. and my studio, of course. It is a lot going on there that um, I just don't have time to get on uh, my own website and make sure everything's on there mm -hmm. <laughs> in the right way. <laughs> have you gone through like that phase where you get your guitar and... You just like, man, I, I'm getting tired of this one. I don't play this one that often, so I'm going to sell this off and get another guitar. And then a couple years later, you think, damn, I wish I still kept that guitar. You know, I uh, I have never sold a guitar. Mm -hmm. I bought my oh my my dad gave me my first one. 
I think it was an eighth grade graduation. Um, there was an acoustic guitar. Um, I took a loan out for one when I was a freshman in high school. I still have that guitar. I've wow. never sold one. So I, I can't say that. <laughs> I can say that there's some that I wish I would have bought that passed me by. Yeah. But, uh, you know, to have 130 guitars, and yeah. it's, first of all, it's hard to find where to put them. <laughs> Yeah, I made some pretty crazy um, deals over the years. I've had a, a really nice PRS. I had one that was um, a teal black. It had the Dragon pickups in it. And, man, that was, I traded it off for a, a Mesa dual rectifier, I think. Oh, I think, that's a good amplifier, though. Yeah. Run the bad trade. So yeah. I, I ended up trading that, that, um, <laughs> that amp in for uh, an Explorer. Uh, and then I forgot what I traded that Explorer in for something. But I end up with I end up with a nice nice um black Les Paul classic, at at the end of the day, so I have that and I got um a Les Paul plus Les Plus, that's a like a, a thinner version of the Les Paul, oh, which, yeah. which is okay. which is really nice. You got those those electric tuners on them. Yeah, they're very good. Yeah, I got. Yeah, that's all. You know, you can't go wrong getting any kind of guitar. They always seem the good ones for all the yeah. value. And uh, if you like playing, I mean, nothing better than playing, you know. And of course, I built my life on playing and recording and mm-hmm. uh, producing all kinds of artists, you know, in my studio. Yeah. Now, I'm blowing up the picture, but I have a bunch of high-end pictures on my website, if you can get to it. Yeah, I'll click um, that. The guitar page. But this one is not one of the high-end pictures. It was one of the last 10 pictures added. It's all fuzzy, so I can't tell. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> The gold of the black. Yeah. I hear you. Uh, for people who aren't familiar with you, you want to give them a quick a little brief rundown on you? Yeah, you know, I was very fortunate. I, I had a local band here. I'm in uh, Campbell, California, which is, you might know better the area, is San Jose, California, which is Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. That is where, well, I'm right in the center of Silicon Valley here where my studio is. The half a mile one way is Netflix. The where it started, the Corporate offices there, and they got a huge campus there. Half a mile the other way is eBay, where it started, huge campus. Two miles down the street is that new Apple, that spaceship, that big donut they built, the round thing. Yeah. I'm right in the middle of Silicon Valley, and I've uh, been very fortunate being here. Uh, one in my studio, and you know, having a local band that, that did fairly well, which is in high school, college called Hush. And after you know having that for a while, it just there was nowhere for it to go, so I wrote that up and I decided to put out a solo album mm-hmm. and Geffen Records found this solo album and Herbie Herbert, who was Journey's manager, found this solo album. And they started uh, working with me and developing me as an artist. During that time, Carl Palmer, who was with Asia, heard my cassette tape at that time, 1986, heard my cassette tape in uh, Geffen's, it was John Claude, was the guy's name. It's funny, my manager's calling me on the phone right now. I'm not going to take that call. <laughs> um, John Claude, definitely our guy who brought Aerosmith back, and everybody, the guy's amazing, mm-hmm. um, was playing it for Carl Palmer. Carl Palmer said, I like this guy's song, I like his voice, I want to start a band with him. Yeah. We tried to start a band. Carl Palmer, of course, is one part of Emerson Lincoln Palmer, great drummer. Uh, we tried to start a band for a year, nothing worked out. I was in England, ready to come home after the last thing we had tried. And the manager called me there. I had a new manager then, Brian Lane. He says, you know, Keith Emerson would like to have lunch tomorrow before you get on that plane. Would you want to have lunch with us? 
Cookie, yeah. <laughs> Keith Emerson, my God. I mean, it's one of the biggest names in, in music, you know. Um, we've had lunch, spent two hours having a great lunch and uh, having a great conversation. Decided that Carl, he and I were going to start this band. We called the band Three. We toured. We had a top ten hit of a song called Talking About um, 1988. And Carl had played in Asia, which had you know, rock, pop kind of songs with the progressive stuff. But Keith hadn't ever done anything with ELP as far as the fan base was concerned. Mm-hmm. So they were very critical of him playing more song, AOR song-oriented stuff in uh, the band 3. And they were really, a few of them were really hard on him. And he took it to heart and didn't want to do it anymore. So we broke up the band. And 27 years later, Keith got a copy of a live CD that we recorded in Boston that Rick company decided to put out. And he called me up so excited. He said, Robert, I can't believe what a good band we were. I said, why don't you I'm listening to Live in Boston, 3CD. We were really good. The energy, the fire. And we're at the top of our game. We played this. He was so excited. And I said, well, Keith, just 27 years later, why don't we do a follow-up? So we started working this follow-up. He was excited about it. I was excited about it because I always had this dream of doing the second album anyway. Even 27 years later, you know, I had not given up on that uh, dream. I just thought Keith would never do it. He was so uh, criticized, and he took it to heart, you know. Mm-hmm. It, that really bothered him. But he realized that those fans, probably three or four fans that were really mean about it, were wrong when he heard it. He just was so pressured by it at the time that he never really thought about it. Maybe I should sure listen to this and see what I think, you know. Anyway, so we're doing this album, and three months into it, Keith dies. And we have about 20% of his stuff done. I have five of the songs we co-wrote, we're working on, and I'm sort of, I, I can't go on. I mean, I, I'm not going to finish it. I, my dream was to do it with him, you know. It was six months later, I had an idea. You know what? Keith's son, Aaron, plays keyboards. Maybe he'll do it with me. Mm-hmm. And maybe that would be a reason to, to start it up again. It, it took me, there's a lot of grieving involved. I mean, I had a top 10 song with this guy. He was a good friend. Um, he was funny. He was really a sweet guy. And I'm doing this, completing this dream I had. You know, I lost a lot that day that he died. Yeah. And uh, But getting back to... The album, and I, I, Aaron said, oh, I'd love to. Let me hear a song. Well, my mistake was that I sent him one of the, his dad's songs. It was really hard we were working on. And he got it, and he said, oh, my God, that's my dad's style. That's his playing. Goes, I can't play like that. But if you know anything about Keith Emerson, nobody can play like that, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, at that point, though, I had revisited the material that I had left for six months, and I thought, you know, we have such a body of work here and such a great thing started. I need to finish this, at least for me. I don't know if it's going to be released or not, but I'm going to finish it for me exactly like Keith and I talked about. And to the point of our outline form, to the stuff we recorded, the tapes and the, the digital files, we traded back and forth, and we did a lot of jamming sort of on the phone. Like, if you had your guitar there, I had my guitar here, we were writing a song, we could do it. I mean, the, the phones are tremendous now, right? Back in 87, the, phone did, the cell phones weren't quite the same. Oh, no. But now... We could write a song right now, and that's what Keith and I are doing. He plunked something on the keyboard really fast. I'm sure I played that really slow. You know, he played really fast. I'm telling you, so 
he corrected me. No, I had that. I said, what about if we did this? And so we wrote a little songs for three months. And uh, I had so much good stuff that I decided to finish it, but not to be released. I just wanted to finish it. When I got it done, um, I didn't know what I had. I spent a year kind of in the dark saying to myself, you know, what would he do here? What would he have said? What would he have wanted to do? And try to still do the album in my mind and my heart with Keith Emerson. And when I got it all done, I just had no idea if it was good or bad. Then I checked with a few people. They said, oh, this is tremendous. I put it out. The Italian record company, Frontiers, put it out. And for, since August 10th, it's been nothing but great reviews. I, I hate to say that because I don't want to jinx it, but everybody's really getting into it and they really, really feel the meaning of the music and, and they love the sound. And like you said, you know, it, it has this, this quality to it. That, I'm trying to sum it all up in three minutes here, but I hope I'm not <laughs> talking too fast. That's all right. Yeah, there's there's a great vibe. I think that's the the key word to this is it's that vibe and you get, it's the whole piece. You know, you're not getting like a a piece of something or it sounds like it's missing something. It's like a, it's like the whole the whole piece of the pie. You know what I'm saying? I appreciate that. The, the, the guys that um and there's all you know, people are getting great reviews, mm-hmm. but I don't feel like they've taken the time. To listen to it like you have, to hear it as a as a body of work, yes. which I think is what you're saying. You know, as a whole, the thing has a lot of depth. They listen to it. Oh God, there's some good stuff in there. Oh, listen to that. They, they listen to solos, the play the, the lyrics or something. But I really love it when someone can hear it as a whole and a body of work. I think that's what it is. You know, it's not. You know, sure, there's one song that could have been a hit, yeah. and there's one song that's an acoustic kind of thing. There's all these different pieces. But as a body of work, it's where it really speaks, I think, to its strengths. And that's cool to say that, man. Mm-hmm. What is the song that you like the most off that, or you've got more of a connection with? Oh, uh, you know, the connection is so deep with all of them. Yeah. I was struggling by myself to finish it for a year. I mean, my studio state of art, I have the best of everything. I have a Yamaha concert ring on C5. Oh, wow. I have a Moog, the old Moog synthesizer. I have the latest digital synthesizer. Pro Tools, you know what the guitars. Yeah. I was whittling away at everything. I mean, best DW drum set and all the cymbals, the Zildjian, the Icier. I mean, I was ready for this album to be the greatest album that Keith and I could ever do. Mm-hmm. And when he wasn't there, I still tried to keep the standard as high as I was capable of keeping it. So I was so deeply embedded. That's why I didn't know what I had when I was done. Yeah. I just, the perspective was gone. I just did it according to plan and what the dream was. I I think uh, one of my favorites, the first song on the album, One by One, mm-hmm. I think uh, runs the gamut of what the album's kind of all about, sound-wise, style-wise, playing-wise. Um, one of my favorites is the acoustic tune, This Letter. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's not, a, it, it gets into the keyboards halfway through, but at first, just acoustic guitar. Um, I wrote that because one of the last things Keith said to me about a week before he died, he said, look, I got to do these Japanese shows that I don't want to do. He goes, but after that, I just want to go see my grandkids in England. I'll spend a week there. I'll come back. We'll get going on and finish up this album. It was the most important thing for him to see those grandkids. He wanted to jump past the Japanese shows right to the grandkids and see them. And uh, 10 years before that, when his son had told him, is being a grandfather, Keith had told me, he goes, 
Aaron sending me a grandfather. He goes, I don't know if I'm ready for that. <laughs> As in, grandpa, grandfather yeah. sounds old, right? Yeah. That, that's what he was saying in a roundabout way. And then 10 years later, it was the most important thing for him. Yes, it is. And it sort of came to me as this letter. I'm going to write this letter. Starts and trying to figure out what to say about the people you love. And, and how, how do you really put in words when you're in love? Say, our parents, you know? Yeah. Do you love your mom, your dad, girlfriend, wife, whatever? You can say the words, but if you really have a deep love, it's it's hard to express in words. Yeah. So the, this letter is kind of about that and, and how Keith felt about those grandkids. So in one way, um, that's probably my second favorite thing on the album, although when it was labor love, the whole thing. And we've been playing our bond. I played that a couple of weeks ago and last week, and I, I played it just a few minutes ago before you called in. That's, you know, I appreciate that. About a month after Keith died, I was noticing on uh, Instagram, Facebook, all the social media, that people were missing Keith like I was. I mean, they felt a, a sort of a personal loss. I was kind of surprised. You know, you lose, uh, I don't know, somebody famous, an actor or musician or whatever, and you go, oh, man, I missed that. He was a great actor. Yeah. But these people were saying, oh, we've lost this great man, you know, this great guy, and he's such a, he was so good to everybody. And I'm going, wow, these people that don't know him personally are feeling this loss like he was part of their family. Yeah. And I thought, I have to write something um, that is the way I'm feeling, so I'm feeling so bad about it. Yeah. But make it inclusive of the fan base. And I called us the Emerson Army, and I put the lyrics out in three different Facebook posts, Emerson Army 1, 2, and 3, and uh, I posted a song of a video of all these clips on YouTube of Keith. And uh, it really uh, touched a lot of people expressing what I thought was their feelings and viewpoint, and it really hit home. And if you think of it in those terms, you know, more of a bit worldly response to losing Keith, I think you can uh, read to the lyrics um, how I felt and how I felt everybody felt about it. Mm-hmm. And of course, then I put like five or six quotes from all these songs of ELP and three into the thing. It ends with a little fanfare for the common man, which uh, was a big hit and on the sports channels from all over the place. It has a little bit of Dudley LaVita, a song on our album, a little bit of talking about a song on our album. He has some of America, which was something the Knights did his first band. It has these little hints of things in there as a tribute to the man in his musical history, too. So that's cool you're playing that. Now, there's two versions. The video version doesn't have the big ending and the orchestration that the album has. Oh, yeah? I didn't know that. Yeah, the album has complete everything. The kitchen sinks. And when it gets to the end, it builds this huge climax, like all the way up to heaven. There's a bang, there it is. Mm-hmm. And then it goes into fanfare, you know, a hint of that. And, uh, but on the video version, it's just me and the piano. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, one of the things with music, people have that connection, you know, with the song. And they, they so like, like with this, with the song, Our Bond, you know, the way I got it was like, as well as the connection you have with the artist, 
It's more it's more than just like um somebody wrote a song or the music behind there. They become part of like sort of like a, a family member to yourself. You know, there there are certain things that happen in your life that which you relay a situation to your song and it helps you get through situations. And I think this is like yeah. sort of the same vibe that you're getting with it. Yeah, it's it's a moment in time. Yeah. Um it, that's what the beauty of music called it universal language, but it, it's more than that because it sort of time stamps different emotions and, and different happenings. And, you know, where were you when Kennedy got shot? Kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Oh, everybody remembers you. Oh, I was in elementary school. I remember the teacher being able to oh, and there are things that, uh, that stamp into your inner psyche kind of in music. I, I believe you're... You're a very perceptive guy, actually. I, I like that. Oh, thank you. But much, you're on very, you're on definitely a deep artistic level, not just as a musician, but uh, uh, you should be a writer, maybe. Huh? Mm-hmm. Do you write a blog at all? Or you just you do the live radio. Well, I, I do the radio thing, and I'm back in school, and you know, I've I've I wrote a lot of songs over the years. Been in a bunch of bands. Been playing since '79, so I've done a, a yeah. lot of stuff. Oh, did I lose you? No, I'm here. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. We, got, we, we don't have any static, but it was so quiet. Oh. I thought we got disconnected oh, I, there for what, a bit. I, I have this, um, this um, oh, what the hell you call this thing? They get rid of, like, the background sounds and all that. The compressor. Yeah, the noise gate. Yeah, yeah. I had, and I thought that kicked on, too. So I thought I, I was losing you for a second as well. Yeah, cool. Well, yeah, you can, there's something about us songwriters that... Uh, we feel things or you know, things filter through us and we have to put them on in song mm-hmm. and it does make us uh, a little more touchy-feely than your average lumberjack oh, would yeah. say, you know. When you're writing a song, do you put um, you write, do the music first or do you do the lyrics and try to paste the lyrics into the song? You know, it's interesting for me. It happens always, mm-hmm. but the most way that it happens is I'll get an idea like this letter. Oh, that's the title of the song. Okay, well, this letter, I want to write about, you know, the, the amount, kind of love you have, but you can't explain it. Yeah. And then it just kind of comes out of me because I, since I play a lot of instruments and I have a state of art studio where I can record, you know, pretty much any time, anywhere I want to, as long as there's not a client in there. Yeah. Um, I just go about either getting a really good demo of it done like in three hours or so or sometimes it's I can spend a day and, and just finish it as I write it it just kind of comes out of me now that didn't happen on this album maybe I wrote the songs like I'll Bond mm-hmm. I wrote that you know in probably three or four hours sitting there but of course I adjusted the words as I looked at it you know you have to get a little perspective on your own work and oh, yeah. say there's a better way to say that or I want to I want to go deeper with this or Oh, no, that's too, too, you know, you got to look at it. But I have learned that so many people come to my studio after a while to have writer's block. Oh, you have any more songs? Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, but I can't finish this and <laughs> It's because they stop themselves. You just need to put down, if it's the dumbest thing you ever thought about, you know, you just put the words down. You, you, as long as it applies to what you're thinking about, don't worry about it being perfect. Let it flow. Yeah. You know, you have to let those things slow out. Then you go back and you take perspective on it and say, oh, I don't want to say the dumbest thing I ever thought about. I want to say, 
the deep thoughts I had, you know, you, know, you, you change it to something cool. And uh, so I do that too. I'll write some things that you know, there'll be a really great verse I'll send the course, it'll just be terrible or, or a line or just be the worst thing I would never want anybody to hear. But it's still a placeholder and it still gets the energy and everything going. It keeps my juices flowing, my ideas flowing. Mm-hmm. Now that's the most important part of the writing for me. Um, I've written songs where I've started the drum beat. You know, God, I want to do something that has this kind of drum beat to it. Or I've done things where I don't have any lyrics and I've mumbled a bunch of lyrics, mm-hmm. you know, in a Robert Plant Led Zeppelin kind of voice. You can't understand what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And then I can never make it any better than that. Yeah. It's, you know, it sounds <laughs> the best the way it was. You just never know how they're going to come out. Do you ever walk around with the, with the re, your recorder on your phone and you just get a melody pop in your head and you record it? Uh, I got a ton of things on my phone. I used to, I got a, probably 50 cassette tapes from a long time ago. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I always have ideas and there's always new things that are affecting me and influencing me. I never go back to those things. Yeah. And there's something about being in the moment. That's why I say, you know, when you want to be creative, you have an idea, let it flow, even if it's not complete. You let it flow, you get it You get it done, you see it through. And then if it has merit as a whole, you can go back and you can improve it. Yeah. So these little fragments, I mean, I, I go back to my phone right now, and I'm talking to you, and I can look at it and go, oh, man, look at all these little voice memos on yeah. here. This is, this is, I'll, I'll never, I don't have a time, first yeah. of all, to listen to them. And I have two song ideas right now, I'd like to sit down and work on it, if I don't have time to do. So, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I do it, that's what you do? Yeah. Put them down in little fragments? Yeah. I do that, and or I'll... I'll just sit down and just I'll start recording some riffs and I'll piece together like um, five or six different verses that I'll just record out and and try to like paste them together, see how they sound. And I'll have like I have like 40 or 50 different riffs and I probably won't use none of them, but they sounded good to me at that time. (laughs) Yeah. You know, whatever works, right? You got to let it flow. So if that works for you, Mm -hmm. that's working. And that's yeah. all that matters. Because by the time it's done, nobody knows how we get there. That's right. It's a it's a it's a process. I'll say, definitely. Yeah, that's cool, man. It's, it's, it's nice to talk to somebody that's it's writing and playing, and uh, it gives a different perspective. I do love talking to a lot of these uh, just DJs that sort of live for the recorded music. They have record collections, yeah. too. that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And I did a, a few, a few, I did Armed Forces Radio the other night, which is really cool, goes around the world. And I did something for a guy that bases a show on alien visitation. Oh, wow. And since I've never been visited by an alien, that was interesting. But mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we still made it work. That's it. <laughs> so are you still doing work with Greg Ken? I am. Have you interviewed Greg before? No, I haven't. Yeah, Greg um, is a great guy. I am his co-writer. Mm-hmm. I write with him, and I'm the producer of his albums, and uh, in his band as a bass player. Cool. So, yeah, and Greg right now, he has a little stint going where he's um, out like Rick Springfield without the band. It's just him. Him and Tommy Two-Tone, they play five songs each with Rick Springfield's band, oh, wow. and he sings his hits, and... Uh, then, you know, when he comes back, we'll do things with the band and we'll keep writing. We have about half an album. We got on last year, mm-hmm. uh, half a new one done. 
So yeah, Greg's great to work with. That's a guy, you know, we write differently. Greg mm-hmm. comes in with little phrases that sound cool, and my job is to sort of focus him on the meaning of it mm-hmm. and keep him on track, kind of, because he has all kinds of ideas. A lot of times they don't head all the same way, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're not on the same track. <laughs> <laughs> How hard is it for somebody like him, you know, that you had a couple of big hits and you want to get back to back to where you were, does that does that eat at him? You know, Greg had some big hits, and then he was on the radio for 18 years mm-hmm. in, uh, in Silicon Valley here at the top morning show. Oh, okay. He had the best radio show, another guy, and uh, he was number one. So that took the place of having hit records. I got you. The only problem was that once that radio went away, yeah. um, after 18 years, radio changed. He had nowhere to go because he hadn't kept up his live career. Mm-hmm. That's when he hooked up. He actually called me on the radio a couple of years before the show went away and said, you know, my bass player, Stevie, which was his writing partner in those early hits, just had a stroke. If I play any gigs, you know, um, I need somebody. Would you want to join the band? Mm-hmm. Right on the air, like put me on the spot. <laughs> and I thought about it, but you know what? I'm not touring right now with anything but my own band. Yeah, great, let's do it. <laughs> but my whole thing was, of course, to get him to do a new album. Mm-hmm. And it took me those two years until he got off the radio show, just getting him sort of rekindled is the name of the album, and get him rekindled, get him refocused to wanting to actually play and do an album. And it, and it just wasn't that important to him until he, I kept saying, Greg, this is what you do best. You have hits. People want to hear you sing. <clears throat> you're a musician. That's why you had such a great radio show. You talk about the people you're touring with. Yep the stones, all the stuff you did. But you're a musician. we got to do a new album. And once he opened his eyes and got out of radio land and said, yeah, you know, that's what I've always done. What am I thinking? Um, it took off. Nice. And so now he's he's doing a lot. We're doing a lot. And, of course, I have my own, the, the 3.2 album. Mm-hmm. The rules have changed. I'm doing a lot, too. So the end of this year has been a good one for both of us. Yeah. yeah, he hit me up uh, a few months ago on on Twitter, and I was like, "Greg, man, can you be on our show? You know, I want to help you." So he had something he was promoting or something, and he never got back to me. So I was like, mm, "What can I do?" <laughs> I tried. Well, you have a connection to John Lappin, right? Yeah, right? publicity agent. John Lappin is Greg King's publicity agent. Nice. John's a good guy. Be easy for you to get that connection. <laughs> 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 he owes you now, you know, because. You're talking to a jerk like me. Yeah. You know, you know, well, that Robert Berry was really a jerk, man. How come you sent him to me? You're going to have to make up for this. Can I talk to Greg Kim? <laughs> <laughs> I got another question for you. Since you're a granny, a granny, a Grammy-nominated artist, uh, what does that get you these days? Does, does it get you anything? You know, the nomination, um, it's just an honor to be yeah. nominated. To actually win a Grammy... For someone in rock and roll, I think does he any good? Yeah. You have to be Beyonce or something to make the most of, of that. Mm-hmm. And I, again, it's just it's such a publicity from winning. And if you're not on top, like yep. I use this Beyonce, that's an easy. If you're not on top already, publicity doesn't do you much good because uh, you can't. You know, there's no new rock artist being played on the radio. Yeah. You know, Paul McCartney has a new album that's supposed to be fantastic and greatly used. I don't know who's going to play it, mm-hmm. 
Um, he doesn't need it to get played to sell, you know, hundreds of thousands of copies, yeah. probably. But it would be nice if radio would, you know, the radio that plays classic rock, it'd be nice if they keep it alive and at least have a rotation of some of the artists' newer material. But they just won't do it because the audience, they think, doesn't want it. I hear you. Yeah, I've noticed... Yeah, I've noticed. Well, the same thing goes on like with a rock hall. People getting inducted to the rock hall. They they don't. There's there's really no benefits out there other than they getting free. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, you know the, the Grammy thing. It's just nice that uh, mm-hmm. you're sort of like playing with Keith Emerson. Yeah. You know, that gave me a foundation for my career because you played with Keith Emerson. You must be good. Yeah. You know, I could be lousy, but Keith. <laughs> He chose me. You know, That's I right. can't even play. He chose me to be in his band, you know, because I had a good color of hair, you know, <laughs> whatever it was. But because I started really on the world stage with Keith Emerson called Palmer, people know that I can play and I'd have to be pretty good to keep up with those guys. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of a stamp of approval. And the Grammy thing is a stamp of approval. Oh, know? yeah. And that's the biggest deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see here. Just a couple more things. I'll let you get going. How can people get a hold of the the three point two album? That's a good question. It's available everywhere uh, online, but you can order the CD if you place an order. But the easiest one is Amazon. And you know the album came out August tenth. What is that? A couple six weeks ago or so. Yeah. And the cool thing was by noon on August tenth. It was sold out in every country. Oh, wow. The only, yeah, on Amazon. The only people that had it were the small, like, mom and pop record shops, mm-hmm. where there are still some around the country, but not that many. And they'd only have a couple in stock. You know, Amazon had thousands. Yeah. And it sold out, and then the reviews started coming in, and everybody was, was seeing this was Keith Emerson's last effort. And they were liking the lyric content and what it stood for and the sound of it as a, you know, I mean, my best to give it a really a sonic, uh, a big sound and a rich sound. None of this tinny digital kind of stuff, you know. Yeah. It's it's a real a good sounding album. And just this week, I think they have them now, maybe it's Monday, Amazon got the second pressing in. It took them... Oh my God, it's just six weeks. I mean, it takes about a month wow. to repress them. The record company underestimated the demand for it and the people who were waiting for it. And then I guess they didn't figure it out quick enough for that first week that they needed to reorder right away and get another stock out. So I had been told last week, this week, they will have stock on Amazon. Of course, you can only download it. Um, and nothing wrong with downloading, although the, uh, the album itself, the physical CD, really has a great sound and if you get the mp3 versions for the download of course those never sound as good but a lot of people don't seem to hear the difference which is a big difference yeah well they're listening to it on their phone they they won't be able to know you know there are there are yeah you're already your phone's already knocks down on the level as it is and you get what you get that's right yeah it does change the mp3 changes the mid-range it's not like it lacks bass it's plenty of bass it's just the mid-range and and the smoothness and the richness isn't there. It didn't sound bad. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's iTunes, you know, I mean, it's available everywhere. So um, I'm hoping people give it a listen. And it's definitely turning out to be kind of a collector's item, which is cool for me being Keith's last work. Yeah. And the sad thing is, for me, this is the last time I can ever 
do an album with Keith Emerson, mm-hmm. and um, they're talking about me going on tour with it next year. So maybe I'll be talking to you again when we get out there on Sounds the road. Good. Is there any other songs that weren't used on that that you still have? You know, only a couple people asked me that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I figured you would, you bastard. <laughs> 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 I have. Uh, Keith sent me a whole batch of digital files that of they weren't complete songs; they were just Emerson parts, yeah. things he had made up, you know. And they're all full of keyboard tracks, all kinds of cool stuff. I have a lot of that. I have a couple more things on a cassette from 1988. So there is some stuff I didn't use. But honestly, at this point, I can't have those phone calls where we talk about what the writing's going to be, what the song's going to be, where do we want to take it? You know, what are we going to bring from the past? What are we going to do now? What What are our capabilities? Those led and guided this album so much, and then those were in my mind as I was finishing it up, you know, like I said. What would Keith do here? That was the, the phrase that I always asked myself. But I won't have that. So I, I honestly, I don't think there'll be a follow-up to this. Because I don't think it could ever be as good and, and as sincere. Um, it would just be another album, yeah. you know? It'd just be, it, it, you know, I'll always do albums. But the three thing and the 3.2, uh, I'd have to really think about that. Somebody would have to twist my arm. The mafia would have to get a hold of me. <laughs> You think you'd use some of that material, like put it on like scores of movies or like on soundtracks to something? That's possible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people have mentioned on this album that I should uh, mix a non-vocal version to use in some soundtrack stuff because some of the pieces are so rich with sound and mood and everything. And uh, I've thought about doing that, but I, I got to say, the... My dedication to this thing has a lot to do with fulfilling my dream, uh, working with Keith again, which I did a lot of work in you know, the last 30 years with him, but not on our own album, and that honoring his legacy as the last thing he ever worked on. I mean, he has other stuff that people haven't heard, classical stuff, but this is the very last thing he ever worked on, and I'm the last person to work with. Mm-hmm. And I want to show people that he still had it, he still was energetic, happy, um, full of ideas. He was still the best of who he ever was. He just hadn't been challenged for a long time. Oh, yeah. And so I play keyboards and stuff. I, you know, I knew how to challenge him. We had a good relationship where we could bat these things back and forth. And I don't have the proofs in the pudding, they say, right? So people have to judge that for themselves. Yeah. Uh, let's hear. Uh, what is your website where we could send people to to check out uh, your your life work that you have? You know, I, you'd think it'd be www.robertberry.com. That's so easy, right? Mm-hmm. That's it. That's where you find it. <laughs> <laughs> I was lucky to get that. A lot of times yeah. you don't get your own name for your website. <laughs> so, yeah, robertberry.com. You know, and if I, those guitars I was telling you about, yeah. do you want to see them since you're a guitar guy? I'll tell you. They're not listed on the main website uh, menu. I'm, I'm going to go there right now while we're talking. And, of course, we're going to find out where he is. I think you have to go under maybe resources. And then you click on something to get the resources. No, it's not resources. It's something else. It's like discography or something. Oh. And that takes you to 
a page that will have the guitars on there. And um, you know, I'm going to click on music and somewhere on there you'll find it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I never go here. We're always we're putting so many reviews and interviews down on it where they're just coming left and right. Yeah. It's, uh, I don't remember even how to navigate the damn thing. It changes. <laughs> I have this guy, Rob Fowler, who's such a great mm-hmm. um, media and graphics guy for me. And uh, he is always updating this. And it's really something to have a guy that involved. And, by the way, the Powerful Man video is on there. What's it? Um, the, the single. And we're going to be promoting that single a lot more in this coming month. And there's a cute little guy in there. It's a, a grandson of a friend of mine. And that song is about how our parents really influence us. But, of course, Powerful Man, people think of their dad or their grandfather or some mentor, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's really kind of how we're impressed when we're young by somebody that makes us want to follow a path in our life and our jobs and everything to uh, not emulate them, but we're inspired by them, you know. So you know, give a listen to that, too, if you go on the website, it's on there. Is that, what song is that? Powerful Man. Oh, I got it. It's, I what... that, that's, uh, that's on the CD, of course. Yeah. You know, it's the second song. It's right after One by One. One by One is pretty involved. Uh, six minutes or so song. One and Powerful Man is more like the four minute. That's that was the radio tune that uh, they're getting out. And the video, it's almost thirty thousand views already. So it's oh, really getting nice. quite um, a great response. I, I I keep saying that. I I don't want to jinx it. I'm really surprised and honored by the response I'm getting, and it just couldn't be any better. You know, it's really something. Nice. Uh, which song would you like me to play tonight? What kind of, you have a, a rockin' audience, kind of? Yeah. Like, what, what, what else would you play? What, what's something that's your favorite to play for people? Not a mine, but I mean, just in general. Would you, would you play Zeppelin? Would you play Foo Fighters? What would you play? It's just this hard rock. Hard rock and, like, heavy metal. It's only normal we play. Well, so, you know, so that's not as much a keyboard yeah. kind of thing. Um, so... You know, I get the keyboards for Sammy Hagar when he plays his circle show mm-hmm. and he does the Van Halen songs. That's me playing keyboards that pre-recorded. Okay. Jason Bonham puts on the headphones. That's me coming out the speakers. Some of that keyboard sound that I use for Van Halen is also a little bit of the Keith Emerson sound, which is on Powerful Man. But oh, okay. one of the heavier tunes is uh, The Rules Have Changed. So if you don't mind playing one that's about five, sure. last, five and a half minutes or so, that's exactly the rules have changed not only the title track, but it was written when a few months after Keith died, I lost a friend of mine named Trent Gardner who had a band called Magellan. Mm-hmm. And Magellan was a, a hard, like a dream theater, kind of a hard rock, progressive band, a little more metal to it. And uh, there's some stuff in the rules have changed that people might like. Gotcha. I'll play that. Uh, Robert, can you do us a quick favor? I can. Can you do a promo ID for our radio show? Just say your name, the band you're with. Is whatever. Maximum, maximum Threshold Radio? Yep, and just throw something crazy out at the end of it and don't put no thought into that. <laughs> well, I'll give you something respectable. Come on. <laughs> Are you ready for me to say yep. it? Yeah, go for it. Hey, this is Robert Berry on Maximum Threshold Radio. You are rocking with Dom. Nice. Robert, hey, I really th- thank you for taking time out and, you know, calling in and talking to us and just 
shooting the breeze about everything and definitely stay in touch and we'll get you back on here and you got my number here if you got any questions about anything or anything just let me know i'm always here for you i will man i appreciate your time and i enjoy talking to you guitar player guitar player and we will hook up again when i get this uh this tour all planned and everything i'm gonna call my manager back now because that's what he's calling about <laughs> so this is good timing sounds good all right man okay take care man Thanks a lot. See you
have a smartphone, iPod, iPad, or even Roku? Grab the app, tune in, and search, search, search Maximum Threshold and hear the show live directly from your device. You can text message the show right now at 440-252-0058. Once again, it's 440-252-0058. Text the show. The only place you can download three midget forms and listen to player at the same time. Phone lines are open. Call now, 440-709-4977. Once again, that number is 440-709-4977. Threshold but you can catch also on one of the great affiliate stations that syndicates the show. So wherever you listen to Maximum Threshold, we thank you. Hey guys, this is Ron from YouTube's Rock and Metal News, and this is your Maximum Threshold Rock and Metal News Report. Five Finger Death Punch released a music video for their single, When the Seasons Change, on YouTube. It's off their latest album, And Justice for None. The song and video is dedicated to the late Las Vegas police officer, Charleston Hartfield, who was killed in the October 2017 shooting at the Route 91 Harvest Music Festival. And Queens of the Stone Age released a reworked take of the track, The Way You Used to Do. It was filmed live live at the Museum of New and Old Art in Hobart, Tasmania. Proceeds were donated to the Royal Hobart Hospital Pediatrics Ward. And Motley Crue bassist Nikki Six has confirmed on Twitter that Motley Crue is recording four new songs. They will be for the film The Dirt Confessions of the World's Most Notorious Rock Band. He stated, you can trust us. These are ball busters. Everybody can relax. We're soon going to smack you upside the head with some killer new tracks. Continuing with your MaximumThreshold.net rock and metal news, Issues have stated they will hit the studio October 7th and start recording their new album. The producer will be Howard Benson, and they are planning for a 2019 release through Rise Records. And Touche Amore played their 1,000th show at the Regent Theatre in Los Angeles on February 16th. This was a special show to celebrate their 10th anniversary together. Together, they film the show and have a live album called 10 Years 1000 Shows at the Regents Theatre. It's going to be out on November 2nd through Epitaph, and you can check out a live video for Flowers and You on YouTube. And finally, Silent Planet released a new song called In Absence on YouTube. It's off their new upcoming album, When the End Began, out on November 2nd. Catch them live on their tour in North America with Stray from the Path. This is Ron from YouTube's Rock and Metal News with a Z, and this this has been your Maximum Threshold Rock and Metal News Report. Thanks for tuning in. Hi, this is Nita Strauss from the Alice Cooper Band, and we start wars, and you're listening to Maximum Threshold Radio. Shred on. Our request on MaximumThreshold.net. This isn't the biggest bag over the head punch in the face I ever got. God damn it!
funny Cause not all people in this world are good, Gypsy The lesson learned is never go to Miami We're just some artists who are trying to play for you We give it all we've got and we are kind of new Happy not to be shot, it is sad but true Don't worry about us, this is just our debut Robbed in Miami, I got robbed in Miami That was by request by Jeff Kiss. I got another song by request, or it's more of a dedication. Here you go. Where did I just put it at? Shit, I lost it on the board. I think I got 100 songs on a board. I don't know where the hell I put it. Oh, there it is. Okay, here you go. By request on MaximumThreshold.net. Shroomage and do bitch, shroomage and do bitch, shroomage and do bitch, shroomage and do bitch!
and do it, Shroomage, and do it, Shroomage, and do it, Shroomage, and do it.
there you go, man. That's a brand new D. Snyder for you. For the love of metal. Dude, man, that record's got some really good stuff on there. Really digging it, man. And Wow. I was just talking with him earlier today about this. <sighs> oh, so I, I get I get a lot of music sent to me, you know, every day and stuff. And I got, I came across something different um, because, you know, when you're, a, you know, like a, this, when you're running a major a record label, radio station, shit like this, you get all kind of cool stuff sent your way. And people kind of um think you're on a different level, which, well, shit, we are. That's true. So I came across this this song that I got. This is sent to me by um by um Gillian Hills or Jillian. Um and she sent this to me and it's something off her her new record. It's it's not metal or nothing like that, but man, she got a nice voice on her. So I want to turn you guys on to this. So um it's a snippet, it's only like thirty seconds long. And I was like, man, I need more. <laughs> It's like wow, the song <laughs> song is called Nefertiti. Uh, it's a little clip, like I said, it's only like thirty seconds, but check it out and it's it's really smooth, man. And she got a killer voice. So I'll be right back after this. Check this out. This little piggy is going to market. There you go, man. That's your little snippet. That's what I got. I was like, man, I want some more. I was like really digging it. I was like, you close your eyes and listen to that, man. You can feel it. I like that. So, um, mm, let's see. Guys, don't go anywhere. I'm getting ready to close down the recorded portion of this program. And I got some shit. I got some stuff lined up for you guys. Got some kids of Whitney High lined up. I got some other stuff too i can't even talk about yeah so don't go nowhere be right back and blah 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 Just listen to Maximum Threshold Radio Show. Airs live every Saturday night, 8 p.m. until whenever the fuck they shut up. So tune in. It is pointless to resist. This is Jill Janice, a huntress, and I gotta tell you, when I'm on the road, there's only one thing I'll pee into, and that's a funnel. It's called the Go Girl. I hope you have a minute to go check it out. 